God, you are the Lord of the harvest. It's not ours, it's yours. But God, it is humbling that you want to use us to bring in the harvest. Uh, Lord, I just pray that we would take that seriously, that we would know what it means to be people that seek after and go after people to, to collect the harvest the way you want us to. Lord, I just pray that we would uh, say yes to you and what you want us to do. We would be filled with compassion by you for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 9 is where it is found. If you guys want to turn there in your Bibles, and Josh, you can get that first passage up there. This is where Jesus says the well-known phrase of pray for the workers to go into the harvest field. So I'll start here. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues. So I'm starting at verse 35, if you didn't know that. I'm reading out of the NIV, the New International Version, which is, in my opinion, a very good translation to use. Not the only good one. There's a lot of good ones. But it says, Jesus went through, that's not what it means, (laughs) went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues. If you don't know what a synagogue is, it's where the word of God was read. It was taught to the people that were there. They didn't have a printing press. So to hear the word of God, you went somewhere where somebody had the scrolls and they read it. Yes. Oh, okay. We went around to their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. How many of you guys would like to see that? That's pretty awesome. You can see it today. I've seen miracles happen. It's pretty awesome stuff. There's a miracle right there. The fact he's even alive is pretty amazing. You'll have to ask John about it. (laughs) He's got a few stories. (laughs) Several occasions. Just wait for him to preach. (laughs) He always shares a good one. Every time. So it says, when he saw the crowds, he had what? Compassion. Compassion. (laughs) Who's seen the Lego Batman movie? Anybody? (laughs) He saw the crowds. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. As Tim always says, that is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. I already prayed first. (laughs) But this is the passage that we're talking about for the next few weeks. It's a powerful passage. There's a lot going on in these few verses. I think there's three or four specific things that Jesus models when it comes to this passage. And I think you could, you could probably add more points or narrow it down to fewer, but I came up with four specific points of what Jesus modeled when it came to this scripture in regards to the harvest. Because Jesus sees the people. He sees the multitude. And then he tells his disciples, pray. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. In a way, he's saying... We can't do this alone. (laughs) We're not enough people to get the job accomplished. There's more people that need to do this. So he looks out, and what I see Jesus model is the number one thing he did was he said yes. He said yes to God. 
Who here said yes to God? Anybody? A few of you? Hopefully all of you. I'd love that if it was all of you. But that's what Jesus did. If you guys didn't know that, Jesus' ministry started by saying yes to God and what he wanted him to do. It says in Scripture, I mean, Jesus himself even said it, that he only did what he saw the Father doing. He only said what he heard the Father saying. What he did was intentional. And he also walked in obedience to what God wanted him to do. How many of you guys know that we're supposed to go share Jesus with people? Anyway, who here ever struggles to do that? I know I do, as I'm literally preaching about it. <laughs> but I, I mean, I'm no stranger to it. I know it can be difficult to say yes in the moment when there's a tug on your heart to share Jesus with somebody. And there's all sorts of reasons and excuses we throw up in the air as to why we don't do it. But Jesus said yes to God himself. He never told the disciples to do something that he didn't do himself. He never told the disciples to be obedient to God when he wasn't himself being obedient to God, right? He said yes to him. His ministry started because he said yes to him. His ministry started because he chose to be obedient to God. He said, okay, God, let's do this. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And some of you guys maybe have done that before. Some of you guys maybe haven't. Or maybe you did a long time ago, and you've lost your focus, gotten off track, and maybe you're like, yeah, I remember when I lived like that, but I feel like I don't live like that anymore. Jesus kept his focus, though. This was the starting point. This really is the starting point for everyone who comes into the kingdom, is you get into the kingdom by saying yes to Jesus. Remember what he said, he was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Well, he couldn't proclaim that good news of the kingdom if he wasn't a part of the kingdom himself, right? So he had to say yes at one point. And I hope for all of you that you've done that. But if you haven't, it's not too late. You have an opportunity today to do that. You don't get in without saying yes to following Jesus. As well as I would say, if you say yes to following Jesus, you say yes to sharing Jesus. You say yes to proclaiming Jesus, sharing the good news of Jesus to others. Saying yes to Jesus doesn't just mean, Lord, save me, but he gives us a job to do when we are, right? He gives us a mission, a commission, you could say. At the end of Matthew 28, he does that. He, he tells his disciples to go out and share Jesus with them as he leaves. Saying yes to following Jesus means saying yes to sharing him. You can't share what you don't have, right? So if you don't have Jesus, you can have him here today. The next part I have for you is that this is really, I think, the biggest part of this passage. You want to pull up the uh, Matthew 9 again, Josh? In this passage it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had what? Grace. He had compassion. He had what? Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. 
All depends on what translation you got. Well, here's the thing. The Greek word, I've shared it with you guys before. It's splachizomai. You guys want to say it? Splachizomai. The more phlegm you have, the more uh, or real your word is in Greek. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Don't spit on your neighbor, please. <laughs> but this word, it means to be moved with compassion, moved with pity moved with like a sense of mercy it's it's a rendering of your heart it's a you see something and it it hurts you to see that because you you feel like it's wrong you go oh no this isn't okay with me i need to do something about this to bring about change to make things better for this person and that's what Jesus saw. He saw the multitudes of people that he came across, and he was moved with compassion because of the harassment as well as, what does it say, the hopelessness. He saw a sense of hopelessness over them. Harassment, like sheep without a shepherd. Every one of us has gone astray, right? I won't get into it too much, okay, Luke? <laughs> Luke's going to be preaching in a few weeks, a couple weeks. But Jesus saw the people, and it moved him. Now, here's the thing. He saw the helplessness of them without him, and it moved him, as well as the helpless situation they were in without a perfect sacrifice. Because they didn't have one yet. Jesus had to be sacrificed, and he hadn't been sacrificed yet. But he saw the harassment that they were enduring. Really, you could look at it two ways. Rather harassed by the devil himself or people that the devil is working through. <laughs> now, the Bible tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, against people, but against principalities, authorities, the spiritual realm. It's a fancy way of saying demons and the devil, <laughs> which are real things. But Jesus saw the oppression that they were under from the devil. He saw people that were lost, and it broke his heart. It broke him. He had a burden for them. And I would say he, you can't expect to go share Jesus with people that you don't feel compassion for. <laughs> One person did that. His name was Jonah. And you can go read it for yourself. It's four chapters. <laughs> I do. It's, it's one of my favorite books of the Bible. <laughs> yeah, don't do what Jonah did. Don't be a Jonah. Look to your neighbor and say, don't be a Jonah. There's nobody here named Jonas, so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> but Jesus looked out at the people, and he was moved with compassion. I would argue if you haven't been sharing your faith with people, it might be because you're lacking in compassion for those people. It might be because you're lacking in compassion towards people. It might be certain people. Or I hope it's not every people. <laughs> But he was motivated with compassion. Compassion motivated everything Jesus did. You guys listen? Hmm? Everything Jesus did was motivated by compassion. I would argue that the obedience that Jesus had towards God is what started his ministry. But compassion is what sustained his ministry. He kept his ministry going because of the compassion he had for humanity. 
it kept him going all the way to the cross. He endured the cross because of it, because of the love that he had for us, right? The obedience to God is what started his ministry, but the compassion is what fueled his ministry. I think of it like this. It's like a car. How many of you know you got to turn the car on to get moving? <laughs> At least get moving decently fast. <laughs> if you're on a hill, you can just stick it in neutral and you'll go. <laughs> but you don't have any control. <laughs> right, yeah. Sometimes you need a key to get it in neutral. Some vehicles you do. Some vehicles you do. <laughs> but here's the thing. I, I think of it like obedience to God is the ignition switch. So it starts the car, gets it ready, ready to go, and then the compassion is the fuel for the car that keeps it going. You run out of compassion, your ministry's not going anywhere. <laughs> if you run out of compassion, you're not going to be able to share Jesus with people very long. But if you start to run out of compassion, you're not going to want to share Jesus with people. Because you, you lose the sense of love for them. But he was motivated by compassion. He was motivated by love for people. And it's what changed him to be able to do ministry like had never been done before. <laughs> and it's the ministry that we carry on. That's the amazing thing. He says, it's not just for me. Now I give it to you. You go do it. It motivated him for everything that he did. He felt the heart of God and was moved by it. What do you guys think the heart of God looks like? You guys know what the heart of God looks like? It's a big heart. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's got the whole world in his hands. <laughs> Let me give you a picture of what it looks like. If you guys got your Bibles, Psalm 103, and I recommend you just go read this psalm. It's super good. But Psalm 103, verses 10 through 13 says, he does not treat us as our sins deserve. Thank God for that, right? Or repay us according to our iniquities, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, which is really high. <laughs> it's way up there. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Does the East ever meet the West? Never! <laughs> the East doesn't meet the West. It's a cardinal direction, okay? <laughs> it's not a destination. Yes, but it's not. <laughs> East isn't a location, it's a direction. West is not a location, it's a direction. As far as the east is from the west, so has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Guys, when my kids are in pain, it puts me in pain. <laughs> I want them to be okay. It hurts me to see them hurt. And that's the same with God. Another verse in Joel, it says Joel chapter 2, verse 13. It says, rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and what? 
compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Amen for that. This is the very thing that upset Jonah, (laughs) which is kind of sad, right? (laughs) You think you'd be happy about that. But he was upset that the people of Nineveh turned to God, and he was slow to anger, abounding in love, and relented from the calamity he threatened. He was full of compassion. So if you don't think God's compassionate, go read these verses. (laughs) He's compassionate. And we're supposed to exemplify the heart of God, right? Jesus was moved with compassion because he was close to the heart of God. He felt the heart of God, and he was moved with compassion when he saw people that were lost, when he saw people that were broken. He looked out with a bunch of people, and he said, they need me. (laughs) Do you look to people, and does it move your heart to say, they need Jesus? I need to say something. I need to do something about this. Because if I don't tell them, maybe nobody will. You never know. Jesus looked at people and he was moved with compassion. It moved him into action is the big thing. It motivated what he told his disciples to do. He saw them and he looked at the disciples and he said, guys, there's a lot of work to do and we're not enough people to do the work. (laughs) We need more people. I can start changing the world with 12, but I can't finish it. We need more. And he's talking about us. It moved him into action. The idea of a compassionate God is something that's not unique to this passage. (laughs) As I read earlier in the Old Testament, there's lots of areas. And it's not something that's unique just to this passage in the Gospels. It's mentioned several times in the Gospels, especially the Gospel of Matthew. But this idea of compassion is something that Jesus exemplified. There's a specific parable that Jesus uses to paint this picture of compassion. And he does it with a a few different parables, but this one really stands out. And I think in regards to what we're talking about tonight. I'll give you a little backstory for it. Luke 10, verse 30 through 37. Don't put it up there quite yet, Josh. But this passage here is all about the Good Samaritan. Who here has read the story of the Good Samaritan before? Anyone? A few of you? Well, let me share it with you. I'm going to read it to you. But if you didn't know, the Jews and Samaritans did not like each other. They hated each other. I don't know if they hated each other more than the Jews hated the Romans. (laughs) But it was quite a bit. It was at least on par with it. Butte and Bozeman. <laughs> or maybe Butte and Anaconda. Montana and Idaho. <laughs> yeah, Butte against literally everyone. Yeah. So here's the thing. There was this feud between the Jews and the Samaritans for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years, guys. They hated each other for a long, long time. They did not like one another. 
So much so that the Jews would even walk around Samaria, which added several, several miles to their trip in order to get to the other side, instead of just going through it. Except for Jesus. <laughs> Jesus would just go through there. <laughs> he didn't care. <laughs> but he hated, the, the Jews hated the Samaritans so much. And, like, and vice versa as well. Samaritans hated the Jews. They did not get along. And it was something that was ingrained in their society. It was ingrained in their culture. Which is why Jesus shares this story of a good Samaritan. The fact that those two words were even in a sentence together was a contradiction. <laughs> it was an oxymoron. For him to tell a story about a Samaritan that was good was mind-blowing to the people he was talking to. It was unbelievable. They're like, there's no way. Samaritans are bad. and That's what they are. <laughs> and the Samaritans thought the same thing about the Jews. So he shares this example with a guy who's coming to him saying, how do I inherit eternal life? How do I get into heaven? Have you guys ever asked that before? Have you ever been asked that before? Maybe you've asked somebody that. You can share this passage with them. But before Jesus shares this story, this, it, it says that it was a guy that knew the law. Some translations say he was a lawyer. He like, he knew the law. How many of you know to be a lawyer, you studied law for a long time? <laughs> a long time. <laughs> I've been reading that dad book too much. <laughs> yeah, it's a long time. So this, this expert in the law comes up to Jesus and he asks this question. He says, well, how do you read it? You know the law, right? So why don't you tell me what you think? Jesus is a smart guy. <laughs> Puts the ball in his court. So he answers, and he answers well. He says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, yes, you're right. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> and I would imagine that he's talking to the guy, and then Jesus turns around and starts going on his way. And then the lawyer goes, well, who's my neighbor, huh? Who is it? What kind of person is that? So Jesus has this answer. He shares this parable. Starting at verse 30 in chapter 10, it says, Jesus said, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, which, mind you, was like an 18-mile road that was extremely treacherous. It went down 3,200 feet within that distance. It was really, really rough. And it was common for people to be robbed there. Because it was so rough, it was easy to hide. So he was attacked by robbers. That part, they're like, well, of course he was. He took the Jericho Road. <laughs> That's what happens. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, which... Priests come from the tribe of Levi, the Levitical tribe. So it was somebody who was just a step below the priest. When he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. So they intentionally, they saw the guy, like, I ain't going to him. They go to the other side of the road to keep going. That's pretty awful. 
but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. It's the same word that's used. Splachizomai. The same word for compassion. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey. So he got off his own donkey, put him on there, and walked. Brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, which is money. It's a day's wage is one denarii. He took out two, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. (laughs) He just tells him a story. Here's his answer and says, all right, go ahead and do it. Which is really what he did last time, right? He just said, you go ahead. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus saw the brokenness of people he encountered, and it moved him to action. He had compassion on people, which really, all of us were enemies of God before we ever said yes to him. In the same way that the Samaritans and the Jews were enemies of each other, hated each other. Now, fortunately, God didn't hate us. (laughs) But the thought that a Samaritan would even do this is what really got through to the people. Him to share this story was unbelievable. He could put anyone else's name in that than a Samaritan, and it would be more believable to them. But he specifically used a Samaritan to paint a picture of, I don't care where you come from, I don't care where you're going, you can love anyone who comes across your path. It doesn't matter what they've done to you. It doesn't matter what your people have done to them or what their people have done to you. You can love these people if you allow me to fill your heart with compassion. Allow it to fill you and change you. Guys, if you want to share the gospel with people, you need compassion to do it. Or you're just going to be a Jonah and be having a pity party up on a hill while other people are having a party. (laughs) Jesus saw the brokenness, and it moved him to do something. In the same way that the Samaritan saw the man on the road, and then moved him to do something about it. The reality is anyone without Jesus is like that man. Harassed, helpless, taken down by the enemy constantly. Crushed all the time by the enemy's schemes. And they're waiting for somebody to come across the road, see them, and change things. Bring change into their world. And those people are supposed to be us, right? We're supposed to be the ones to bring that change into their life. Are you doing that? He was moved with compassion. I got a story I want to share with you guys. Mind if I share it? Sure. All right, I'll share it. Let me share a story of a friend of mine when I was in high school 
He was moved with compassion for his friends. He had a couple friends of his. They were brothers. And he was constantly talking to them about coming to youth group. He'd say to them, hey, you want to come to youth group this Wednesday? And they'd say, oh, no, i got something going on. Oh, I've got to do this. Oh, I've got to do that. Which, hey, it might have been true. That's okay. Have you guys ever invited somebody to youth group and they didn't come? Maybe. Yeah. This guy did not take no for an answer. He's like, okay, I'll ask you next week. (laughs) That's what he'd say every single time. Now, I don't challenge you to say that to people you're not friends with, okay? (laughs) This was a very good friend of his, and he's like, okay, that's fine, I'll ask you next week. And he would just roll his eyes at him. And then next week came. It was Wednesday at church, at a Wednesday at school. He was like, hey, you want to come to church tonight? Come to youth group? I told you I'd ask you again. You should totally come at 6.30. He'd be like, oh, I'm busy. I got something going on. Oh, I got a lot of homework. Got a lot of stuff to do. Guys, if teenagers ever tell you, I've got a lot of homework, it's not a good excuse. <laughs> How many of you are just chomping at the bit to go do your homework? Anyway. <laughs> Didn't think so. <laughs> Maybe if you're buried in it and you're like, I'm going to fail if I don't go do it. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I got homework I got to go do. Nobody ever says that for a real reason. So he's like, okay, I'll ask you next week. That's fine. Week after week after week after week. And guys, I think it was like a year that he did this. Like pretty much the majority of a school year. Eventually, these friends are like, okay, fine. I'll come to youth group. I don't have an excuse this time. Or at least it's all the same ones I've been using. (laughs) So these two friends, these brothers, they finally come to youth group. And they end up giving their heart to Jesus that night. And eventually, their entire family starts coming to church on a regular basis the Sunday. And not just that, they start serving in the ministries. Mom starts serving in the children's ministry. The dad starts coming, and I think he was like doing ushering or something. They started as a family all coming. Turns out they had younger siblings that also started coming to youth group when they got old enough. And they were going to children's ministry on Sundays before they were old enough for youth group. All because this one friend said, I'm going to ask these people to come to youth group. I'm going to share Jesus with them. Because that's what they need. Saw the brokenness of his friends. Had compassion on them. Was motivated and said, this is what they're missing. This is what they need. And he wasn't a jerk about it. He wasn't overbearing, and it wasn't like he was incredibly annoying. He might have been a little annoying. (laughs) But he didn't give up on his friends. He kept asking them week after week after week. And a whole family ended up coming to know Jesus because of it. Guys, that's the stuff that happens. I'll share another story. There's a, a youth group that we came from in Minneapolis. There was a youth leader there who would go to basketball games, all sorts of different sporting events for the, for the youth that they discipled that would come to youth group. And one time, they came to youth group, or, and they said, hey, what, what time is your basketball game this week? Okay, I'll be there. Told them the time. They showed up to the game, and they were wild. They got big signs that said, go with their name on it. They were so excited. They were screaming their name in the stands. And there's one guy that got up. He said, hey, 
How do you know my daughter's name? <laughs> and this is a girl, I would say she was probably about Anne's age. And she's like, oh, she comes to our youth group. What are you talking about? She, you know, shared the story. Oh, she's one of the youth that comes to the church at Emmanuel Youth. And we just really love her, and we want to cheer her on in this basketball game. I was like, okay. And he sits down. Eventually, he talks to him. He says, I want to go to your church. I want to know what the church this is. I want to check it out for myself. So I want to make sure that I approve of my kid going there. Went on a Sunday morning. The entire family got saved that morning. All because of the compassion this leader had towards the youth. It was making a difference. That one's for you leaders. <laughs> Ooh, you're not off the hook either. <laughs> but Jesus saw this brokenness. It moved him to do something about it. Do you guys see brokenness? If you don't, your eyes are shut. It's all around you. If you don't, you're walking blind in your schools. You're walking blind at Walmart. It's everywhere you go. Open your eyes to it. See that people need it, need Jesus. They need this message we have to share with them. If you've got to start somewhere, start with your friends. Because you have compassion for your friends, right? <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> you don't need to start with people that you're not compassionate towards, okay? Don't be a Jonah. <laughs> it won't end well for you. Other than, you know, God might change your heart. God can change your heart. But if you need to start somewhere, start with your friends. And then ask God to give you a heart of compassion towards those you don't have a heart of compassion towards. Those that you're not compassionate towards, say, Lord, change my heart. I know you're compassionate towards them. And I should be too. Third point I have for you. He tells the disciples to pray. Now, this one's a pretty quick one, but I think it's really, really important. Prayer is necessary. He says, you see all this? We need some help. Pray that we get some help. Pray that we get some help. Because at this point, Jesus had started his ministry. He'd been doing miracles. Flocks of people were coming to him, looking for the answer he'd been missing all along. And then they end up getting it. Pray for what moves your heart. There's got to be something that moves your heart. I would hope so. If there isn't something that moves your heart, pray for God to move your heart. Pray for you to have the heart of God, like I read in Psalm 103, like I read in Joel chapter 2. I think missionaries are some of the biggest praying people out there. And I'm amazed by it. I think of Shay. She prays like crazy. I think of John. He's an evangelist, which is basically, he worked for Youth for Christ, which is pretty much a missionary organization in America, doing ministry and missionary work for teenagers. But they have this understanding of there is a harvest out there that needs prayer. And they're some of the biggest praying people I know. They're some of the most intercessory people I've ever met. They have a tendency to have a heart for prayer because they understand the necessity of it. Because they see it in this passage and they go, yes, I'll do it. I'll go pray. But here's the thing. You can't be 
praying for God to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. (laughs) Here's what ends up happening. He says, go pray, and then the next thing in Matthew, you can read it, first verses in chapter 10, is when he sends out the disciples to go do ministry. He sends them out. He says, all right, you guys go. Wait, didn't you pray for us to have workers go out there? Like, well, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> they literally become their own answer to their prayer. <laughs> you guys ever been in that position? You pray for something? And then God says, sure, how about you? <laughs> You're like, no, God, I didn't mean me. That was me. In regards to young adult ministry, you guys didn't know, I also do young adult ministry, right? Ranching out. And I, when I was in college, God gave me this compassion for young adults, this burden on my heart for these young adults. I saw the helplessness and the brokenness of them, the harassment they were under by the enemy, and I said, God, this isn't okay with me. Something needs to change. He's like, you're right. We should do something about it. I'm like, no, 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 no. I didn't say we. <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah. I'm a young adult myself. <laughs> I was in my early 20s at the time. I was like, God, you should do something about this. He's like, yeah, we should. I'm like, no, 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 no. I wasn't supposed to be a part of that. <laughs> You're supposed to do something about it and send somebody. Yeah, I'm sending you. Why not you? And I came up with all sorts of excuses for it. But in the end, I said, okay, God. I obeyed him. I said, yes. It's like Jesus had to say yes to God, right? Yes, I'll do what you want me to do. And then he gave me a heart of compassion for it. And I had a choice of what I was going to do with it. Was I going to be motivated by this compassion to do something about it or not? Tells us to pray. And I started to pray. And God told me to go do it. (laughs) He sent me out. When you pray, be prepared for God to answer your prayer in a way you might not expect. (laughs) With you. That's what he does. It's the fourth point. He sends out the disciples. Jesus is sending every one of you. Last thing he told the disciples before he went up into heaven was, I'm sending you. Last thing he said in Matthew, all authority in heaven has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Go do it. Are you doing it? Huh? You guys making disciples? I'll let you answer that yourself. I'll let you answer that yourself. Are you making disciples? He sends out the disciples. Like I said, that's the next thing he ended up doing too. It's not just the next thing, but it was the last thing he said for the disciples. They're literally the answer to their prayer that Jesus told them to pray. (laughs) But they're not the only one. Because when you go make a disciple, they end up doing the work in the harvest field too. Amen? We're all meant to be working in God's harvest field. Every one of us. I got something I want every one of us to do here tonight. This is to close things out. Can I get some leaders up here to hand these out? I want every single one of you to take one of these. 
Leaders included. Take one for yourself, too. No passing down. Yeah, just passing down. What's that? They'll give you one. They got a plenty. So I want you guys, I want you guys to think. Think about somebody to put on here. The name of someone that you know, just like the friend of mine who shared his faith with his friends. He shared his faith with people he was compassionate with. I want you guys to put the name, you can put more than one on there if you want, but I want you to put at least the name of one person that you feel God impressing on your heart to share him with, somebody, okay? Share your faith with somebody. And before you guys leave, we're going to give you something as a remembrance. Put it in your room and have it in the front of your mind every single time you wake up in the morning. To remember to be praying for that person. To remember to be intentional with that person about sharing Jesus with him. Okay? Write down the name of somebody you feel like God's leading you to share Jesus with. There. Okay? Bella. Did you write a name on there? I'm writing it, but share Do the name first. Huh? Anybody? If there's more than one person, go ahead and write more than one person. That needs Jesus, you're going to go share them, share Jesus with him. Huh? No, not here. Ever, I mean, all right, go ahead, John, share. Hey, listen up. Write the name of somebody in your school, on your sports team, at your work if you have a job. Woohoo! Let's give Nevaeh a hand for winning a volleyball game. <laughs> Congratulations. I was surprised to see her tonight. I thought she was going to be there. Did everyone write a name down? Yeah, that's good. I mean, if you, if you want to use the back, you can. Use whatever side you want, however much you want, but at least have the name of one person. Now, here's the thing. Do something about it. It shouldn't just motivate you to write a name down. It should motivate you to do something about the name that's there. It should move you with compassion for these people to do something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You can invite them here. But I challenge you to share your faith with them. Don't just say, hey, come to youth group. Say, hey, you want to know why I want you to come to youth group? <laughs> Here's why. So I'm going to pray, and then if we got time, we can get into groups. We'll make it quick, okay? God, we thank you for you having a heart of compassion for us. Hey. Lord, we really do appreciate your heart of compassion. Lord, we, we, we know that without your heart of compassion, we would be nothing. <laughs> Lord, your heart of compassion is what separates you 
from every other God out there. <laughs> he really, truly does. And God, that you are full of love, abounding in grace and mercy. And God, I pray that that heart of compassion would change us to be compassionate. God, that that heart of love would pour into us and overflow onto all those we come across. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be bold in sharing our faith with people, bold in not taking no for an answer, that just because they say no once doesn't mean it's not for them, that you came for all, and that you partner with us to be able to bring them in. Lord, I pray that we would do the work that you asked to go out into the harvest field. And it starts with a heart of compassion towards those out in the world that are broken. Give us your heart. In Jesus' name, amen.